back everyone to Not Qualified. Uh, this week we are not qualified to talk about Midsummer. Mm, yay! Mm. Um, the, yeah. Uh, so we figured we'd start with the most recent movie we've seen, which happens to be one we saw together, uh, which was Midsummer. Joseph, what are your thoughts on Midsummer? Um, it was it was like a fairy tale. It was just like a fa- had a fairy tale ending. So sweet. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> exactly like Except that. I didn't feel um, warm and fuzzy like I do after Cinderella. kept me very interested. Mm-hmm. Yes, up until very, I started having sex. It then was, I dropped Let off. me just say, it was very engaging up yes. until 80% of the way through the movie yeah. when there were 400% more body parts than I had seen. <laughs> yeah. And some body parts that I had not seen in any movie ever. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. so that made that was very... I could have done without that entire section. Um, but as a concept, it was very, it was intriguing. It was well shot. It was well acted. So was it Ari Aster who did yeah. the movie? Um, so he also did Hereditary. Did you finish Hereditary? I've not seen Hereditary. Okay. You don't seem like the middle, you know, forty-five minutes yeah. or whatever. Um, I thought it was going to be a lot more like that. I get after watching it, this one was oh, he it was structured and told like an like an old school folklore fairy tale. I understand yeah. that. I figured it was going to be a lot more like Hereditary. With as far as the horror aspect of it goes, um, and should we warn with a spoiler if we're going to be talking about a movie? I feel like that's kind of like a given. Like, okay, yeah, I guess so. Spoiler alert, warning. It's not even in the end of the movie. Whenever she starts tripping balls the first time, whenever she takes when they get to wherever Switzerland, Sweden, wherever it is, and she takes drugs. And then she starts freaking out. She goes into the mirror. There's a face in the corner. Then her eyes yeah. start freaking out. I thought it was going to be way more like that. Like it was going to be like, oh, the music is very tense. Yeah. She's going to be running from something. There's going to be something chased. I don't know. I didn't really know what to expect. But it didn't It. It didn't really meet any expectations. I did, didn't go in with any expectations. But it also was like, oh, I didn't expect any of that. That was mm-hmm. that movie was I wasn't expecting. Didn't anything. go anywhere I expected. Not anywhere. Also, the uh, it was interesting that so okay. Well, I liked how it didn't show anything. Um, it showed everything from the character's point of view. So you don't see anything that the four, however many main characters, mm-hmm. don't see. So like. Um, when people die or go missing, you it's kind, you you assuming they're getting eaten or getting put in the meat pies or whatever, yeah. but you don't see that happen until it's happening to a character. Yeah, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, like I said, there was some imagery in that movie that I could have done without. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was very uh, with what it did give you things that were shocking. It was very gratuitous with. Um, mm. And you haven't seen any of the Saw movies, right? I've not seen a single Saw movie. Everybody knows about Saw. I've never seen Saw. Oh, somebody's going to get cut open and it's just going to be like a gore fest. Spoiler alert. It's like that. Yeah. There's a part in the movie where... Oh, you're talking about Lung Man? I forgot about Lung Man. I was going to say when they're jumping off the cliff. Oh, yeah. They jump off a cliff. Two old people commit suicide. Spoiler alert. Sorry. If you haven't seen the movie, just don't watch this. (laughs) I I figured that was kind of a given. I didn't really know. And then they beat the old man to death with the hammer after he survives the fall. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I wasn't expecting a man's head to explode in front of me. Mm-hmm. That was but then it reverse explodes later. And yeah. He goes... Um, yeah, and then there's also a scene where a man is alive and strung up with his lungs with like out of his back. 
Like whatever wings. Whatever it's called, the eagle, some, yeah, iron eagle, whatever yeah. that little torture thing is. Very gross. Yeah. He's being kept alive. Anyway, so if you're squeamish, if you have nightmares easily. If you're watching this with your parents. If you're with your parents, with your family, with your kids, if you are convicted personally about the, you know, like what you should be watching, don't watch this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you're uh, if you're into really bright horror movies, watch it. Yeah, uh, the whole movie took place in the daytime, which was is very unconventional. I thought that was really cool. It's like Children of the Corn, except this was good. <laughs> yeah, well, Chil yeah. Uh, Children of the Corn was interesting. Anyway, um, the whole thing took place in the daytime, but I think that's mostly for the regional specifics because of Sweden or wherever it is. Uh, very neat movie. I think it was very well done. I like A two four. Yeah. Like, I just think they're a really solid production company. Um, speaking of bright, Will Smith is not in this movie, as far as I know. Um, okay. Well, that was the most recent movie we've seen. Um, our topic this week that we are not qualified to talk about is Kuro Samurai West, West John Ford, John, Kurosawa, John Kurosawa, Tarantino, Leone, Star Wars. Samurai. Um, we're going to talk about how I think Star Wars is a Western and why. Um, yeah. So, one of the most interesting things to me in, like, movie, in, like, cinema history is how, you know, so one of the biggest genres of all time is the Western, you know, biggest Hollywood genres. And the biggest name in that genre is John Ford, of course, who made all the classic, you know, Stagecoach, The Searchers, all these classic John Wayne Westerns. Um, all the way back to the 30s and through the 60s. And so... And there was a good solid, what, 50-year period where they would just constantly... They would just pump those things out. Neither me or Joe have ever seen a John Ford movie, so we are not experts on that. But we have seen the aftermath of John Ford movies, <laughs> as in what he inspired. So, um, so, oh gosh. Well... First of all, John Ford, fun fact, has the uh, world record for most Oscar wins for Best Director. He's won four times. Are they all for Westerns? I think, uh, no, I think one might have been for Grapes of Wrath. I could be wrong about that. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, and then Frank Capra, whose name is on the poster behind me, has three. Anyway, that's a side note, but, all right. And then on an, a seemingly unrelated um, side of the world is Akira Kurosawa, Japanese filmmaker, very influential. You know, everybody cites him as an influence. Made films like Hidden Fortress, uh, Yojimbo, Seven Samurai, you know, um, samurai movies. Completely unrelated, right? Mm -hmm. Wrong. You're wrong, Joseph, and you're stupid for thinking that. Okay? To be fair, I knew that going into the podcast. He didn't know. So, the. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kurosawa was greatly inspired by John Ford westerns in a lot of his, uh, you know, samurai movies. And then, in turn, um, those Kurosawa movies inspired some of my favorite movies uh, some by one of my favorite directors, Sergio Leone. So, the Dollars trilogy. Mm -hmm. Fistful of Dollars is a direct remake of Yojimbo, just put in a different setting. And then I gets a shot-for-shot -shot remake, almost. Um... Uh, Seven Samurai turned into The Magnificent Seven, which is not a John Ford or Leone movie, but it's a classic Western. Um, and so there was this back and forth constantly where these Samurai movies influenced these American Westerns and vice versa, back and forth, back and forth. 
all the way to today where you have Tarantino, whose greatest idol is Sergio Leone, and who, who's Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is, him, to him, the greatest film ever made, who takes influences from both of those people widely, as you can see in Django Unchained and Kill Bill. I mean, you know, he's like yeah. a mishmash of everything. And then you have even weirder, like, a, what's that? What's the one that's... What's the Japanese samurai western movie starring Quentin Tarantino? No, I know what you're talking really about. really weird one. It's just like, it's the most meta you can get. Anyway, so there's that whole thing. And the point I'm trying to make is that Star Wars fits right into that that line of um, of inspiration because Star Wars is a almost not not a remake, but it takes its story from an Akira Kurosawa movie, Hidden Fortress. Um, it's like the exact same story, um, and Star Wars shares a lot of the same traits that that whole line of um, a film does. So like, you know, there's the, there's the rogue, the adventurous rogue, um, who's out just in it for money, but with a heart of gold, you know what I mean? There's the, there's the wise old sage, which it's also the hero's journey, of course, Mm -hmm. Joseph Campbell and whatever, but, but anyway, long story short, neither of us are qualified to really talk about (laughs) folklore and stuff like that. But I would say that based on my limited knowledge and experience in the world, Star Wars is as much of a Western as Kill Bill is a samurai movie. Um, yeah. I think Star Wars is closer to being a Western, um, for sure a fantasy, than it is to being yeah. um, a sci-fi movie at all. It's just um, just the same way that um, Sergio Leone took those uh, samurai stories and plopped them into a Western setting, and the same way that Akira Kurosawa took those Western settings, or Western stories, and put them into a Samurai setting. George Lucas did the same thing and put it all into a space setting. So um, that's my thesis. What are your thoughts on that whole thing? Um, do you think John Ford, when he was making these movies, when he was in his heyday filming all these yeah. films, that he would one day inspire a Western samurai high fantasy space opera? In a very indirect way. Yes. Probably not. I also <laughs> think John Ford was not aware of anything going on around him. I've seen so many interviews, just clips of interviews with him, because he didn't do many, where he is absolutely uninterested in the questions. He's uninterested in filmmaking as like an art. He's just, he's like, you know, I did it to make money. Like, I think it, his last Oscar win, he didn't even show up. Like, John Wayne accepted for him. Um, he just didn't care. That's awesome. Yeah, he's he's Ballsy. a baller, dude. Yeah. I love that guy. Um, he smoked a ton of cigars. I mean, like he would end like in the interviews you watch, he's like he he'll get rid of one and immediately take out another and light it. That's awesome. Yeah, he's how yellow do you think his teeth were? Oh, his teeth white as sheep, dipped in butter. That's pretty yellow. Yeah. <laughs> um. How long do you think... What was, like, the first, I guess, movie or TV show to break genre, like, fully? Like, because the what one I have mean? in mind is is um, Firefly is a Western sci-fi. Yes. But those are two very opposite and sometimes completely contradictory genres of movies. Yes. What other TV shows? Thank like you for that? bringing that up. That's another thing that fits perfectly into this whole yeah. discussion. I love Firefly, and it is a Incredible. Western sci-fi. Yeah. Before Firefly was my favorite TV show of all time, besides The Twilight Zone, um, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. 
which rather than being a Western sci-fi is a sci-fi Western. Like it's in a Western setting with elements of sci-fi, which is the opposite of Firefly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea what the first... Because I really can't. Like whenever I think of movies or TV shows that... Uh. Oh, God, excuse me. That fit both two sometimes contradictory genres, that's the first thing that comes to mind is Firefly. Yeah. But then you also have the masterpiece... Cowboys and Aliens. Um, if you oh yeah, that. yeah. Did you ever you watched that right? Yeah, with Harrison Ford. Yeah. And there's a part where he, what is he climbing up the alien ship and throwing grenades or something? He's throwing That's very dynamite. vague dynamite. Yeah. yeah. Um, our friend Noah, who is probably going to be on here soon, um, loves that movie to death. I don't know why. I don't know why. I really don't like that movie. Not that it's a bad movie. I mean, it is a bad. Yeah, I don't like the movie. So that's that. Cabin in the Woods is a genre bender. I'm not. I'm not going back yeah. that far. I'm just thinking yeah. of other genre bending movies. It's a horror comedy, but I mean that goes all the way back to Evil Dead. Yeah. Um, and before, so, and no one's ever, no one's ever done it better than Evil Dead Two. That's true. But um, I'm trying to think, I guess Ghostbusters is technically a genre bender because it's like horror comedy yeah. also, um, but it's completely different than Evil Dead or. Yeah, that's Cabin in the much woods. more emphasis on the comedic aspect yeah. of it. Especially because they have SNL along it, there. It's just an SNL movie. <laughs> yeah. Which is a whole different it's category. It's the 80s equivalent about. of a Will Ferrell movie today. <laughs> <laughs> Will Ferrell is like stepbrothers of the 80s. Every time we bring up a movie, I don't know if we should talk about that movie. <laughs> really? <laughs> We've mentioned like six movies at this point. And I always feel like we, well, I feel like we need to talk to about them. Because of the movie podcast. Go ahead, talk talk about Step Brothers. Okay, I can tell Step you Brothers. <laughs> Step Brothers, I think. Kickstart, not Kickstarted. I think probably Forty Year Old Version did that. Yeah. A whole wave of terrible comedy movies. There's what you know. There's one man to thank for all this, and it's not Will Ferrell. It's Judd freaking Apatow. It's Judd <laughs> Apatow. Oh my goodness! And you're right. Forty Year Old Version like started that whole trend yeah. of movies where nothing happens and there's no character development. But they're insanely quotable, and that is what makes them so they're successful. Insanely quotable. They're the most quotable dumb movies ever, and they're hard not to enjoy. Like you mm-hmm. feel stupid watching them. They make you feel eight years old. Yeah, like with doo doo brain. But it's so fun. But they they have some of the most absurd writing in yeah. any in any film out there. Yeah. Like, There's no clear story structure half the time. No, it's I'll, just funny thing after funny thing. Yeah, you wouldn't think that. Modern comedy movies would be so dialogue heavy, but they are. Except the downside is the dialogue is horrible. I mean, uh, I mean, horrid. <laughs> Did you say holy? I said horrid. Horrid. Um, they're just. It's gone downhill. Forty Year Old Virgin was pretty funny. Yeah. I enjoy that movie. But the longer they go on, the worse the writing gets, and the worse the jokes get. Mm-hmm. And it's people trying to jump on that train of, of the way those movies are written. How, I don't even know how you would stylize that kind of comedy movie. Modern comedy movies. When people try and jump on that train, and then all of the jokes fall flat. Mm-hmm. I'm particularly talking about like Amy Schumer movies. Like They're just not good. Like, yeah, really or like bad. the new Ghostbusters. The new <laughs> Ghostbusters. McCarthy movies. Yeah. Paul Feig movies. Yeah. Did you see Last Christmas? No, you no, talked about it. Oh, it's so bad, Would you like dude. to talk about that movie? No. <laughs> No, honestly, that might supplant my number 100. It's that bad. Last Christmas. You talked about it a lot. I'll talk about it. (laughs) It, I can't express to you how bad that movie was. Like, 
you need to just watch it for the experience. I wish I hadn't told you the plot so that you could experience it for I'm yourself. I'm glad I did. Because it is so... The twist doesn't even make sense. And it's such a completely bonkers out there tri- twist for yeah. a Christmas movie. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. And it, the first half of the movie gave no hint of that kind of thing. Maybe mm. if the writing was better and the tone was better, you would expect something like that. But you go in expecting a Hallmark movie... Which, and it's that, which could be done really well. Like, oh, I thought this was going to be a Hallmark cheesy movie and it turns yeah. out to have a really cool twist. That could be done really well if it was executed well and the acting wasn't cringy and the plot was actually made sense. Weren't there weird subplots as well? There were like so many subplots that never got followed on. Like, the lo- oh, it, like it was just dumb. I will watch Last Christmas because it does still interest me. I'll still go and watching it. Yeah. If you watch Serenity with me. Okay, deal. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to talk about that movie real quick. What time are we at? Uh, 16 minutes. We're good. Oh, okay. We're fine. Um, Serenity. I only watched Serenity because in a Reddit comment thread, somebody had talked about how that plot twist was crazier than Last Christmas, which was already absurd. It, From what it sounds like, it is. I'm going to spoiler, spoil this whole movie. So you follow Matthew McConaughey. He's a boat fisherman. And it opens up like, oh, he's chasing a tuna. It's the tuna. It's his Moby Dick. He's chasing this Moby Dick tuna that he has a rivalry with. And you're like, oh, he finally got it. He's kicking off these people. of Like, he's threatening the people on his boat. Like, get away from the fishing pole. I'm going to catch this tuna. And these people are like paying him money. And then that's not what the movie's about at all. And his ex-wife shows up, and she's like, hey, I want you to go fishing and kill my husband to protect our son. And he's like, okay, I guess I'll do that. And then halfway through, probably like the 60% of the movie, the plot twist comes. And it's the whole time he's in a video game. He is the protagonist Mm -hmm. of a fishing video game. And how the movie wraps up is the son, the actual son of Matthew McConaughey's real life character not the video game character but the one that in real life the kid's actual dad died in Iraq the mom remarried mm-hmm. the 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 stepdad is abusive mm-hmm. he creates a game to vicariously murder his stepfather but then he actually just murders his stepfather and then that's how the movie ends and then it also it ends with him running up to his dad on the dock and hugging like, I don't know if that's, like, some weird fantasy going on in his head, because I think he's in an asylum at the end of the movie. Uh, like Joker. It was bizarre. I hated that movie. It's the Joker of Netflix movie. Is it a Netflix movie? No, it's not. No. It's just... I'm not looking movie. forward to watch that. Speaking of bad movies, we watched Tall Girl together recently, and oh boy, there are three <laughs> movies I have now seen that are in the bottom ten. Um, <laughs> and that is... It was produced by Mick G. Mick... Yeah, Mick G. Which brought what us a, one of the greatest what a television G. shows. Chuck, it's not as good as I thought it was. It's remember. still good. It's still good. Not, we'll talk about not that. Not as good as I remember. Well, we should do a whole episode on Chuck. Yeah. Um, but anyway, no. So we watched Tall Girl, and it's just so bad. Like, it's hard to explain. The second Netflix original that's in the same category of god-awful is The Kissing Booth, where it's just, like, it's fun to watch and laugh at because it's so bad. And then... By far the worst of the three I'm mentioning is a movie called F the Prom, written by those YouTube, the, they're the Coen brothers of YouTube, the Fine Brothers, <laughs> <laughs> and the, 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 the Teens React series. 
they wrote that movie and I think directed yeah. it. Anyway, those three movies are the the trifecta of just poop. There's also Netflix. I don't know. Netflix has been stepping up their game because all of the other streaming services and, and especially because Disney Plus because now all of Disney's movies, uh, the Marvel Universe, the Star Wars Universe, everything, mm-hmm. any animated movie they've ever made, anything they've ever produced is now on this whole platform. So they really have to step up their game to keep people hooked. They have to make original movies. They have yeah. to put a lot of grade A movies on their platform even if they don't make them. But there was a good three-year period where they made the worst shows and movies. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. There's like a whole... It's Noah... What's this? Noah Santanillo, something like that. He's in like five or six of them. Oh, yeah. yeah. The kid from F the Prom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, it's ain't in the bad. kissing booth. Probably. I don't know. But he was... Okay, he was actually in two movies on Netflix. Noah Two Noah movies on Netflix about dating apps. Netflix made two movies with Noah Santaneo. Oh, Noah Santaneo is not the guy I was thinking of. Dating apps. I don't think he's from the kissing booth. Uh, he might have been. He's from, oh, The Perfect Date, To All the Boys I Loved Before. He was in Swiped. Swiped. There was Charlie's Angels. Like the new one? Hold on. I didn't watch it. Charlie's Angels. I like 2019, it. yeah. Oh, Interesting. Yeah, not the kid. Also. Who's the kid from the Kissing Booth? Like the main kid that's is in that all the, those uh, stupid movies. He's in, he was in Super movies. 8. I don't remember his name. He was in Super 8, wasn't he? Which is a very good movie. I highly enjoyed it. Yeah, How the Mighty Have Fallen. Super 8 was so good. We're going to have to do a whole movie about directors, and Abrams is going to. We're going to talk about Abrams for probably 20 Joel years. Courtney is the kid's Joel name. Joel Courtney. Whatever. Yeah, Super 8, and then he went on to do The Kissing Booth and F the Prom. I mean, come on. I really enjoy Super 8. Um, it's a perfect mashup of of Spielberg and, and Abrams. Is well, Abrams is just Spielberg, part two. Sci- yeah, I would. I was going to say sci-fi Spielberg, but Spielberg already has that Spielberg one. Spielberg is the sci-fi Spielberg. Spielberg yeah. is the greatest director yeah. to ever exist. Um, yeah, just, I'm glad Netflix is stepping up their game, though, because yeah. there was a good three-year period where I couldn't stand to watch anything produced by Netflix. They still have Breaking Bad, and they still have The Office for a year, so they're not dead yet. And they have friends right now, don't they? Mm, yes. Until next year, and then it comes off, but they get Seinfeld next year. Hey. So they're going to be alive for a while. They need Fringe. Fringe? Yes. Yeah. Fringe. Jabrams again. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, we didn't ever rank. We talked about Midsummer, but we were supposed to rank it. Oh, yeah. So that's part of the. Between your 1 and 100, that's the whole format. Okay, yeah. so Midsummer. You're number one. Empire Strikes Empire Back. Strikes You're number 100. Delta Force. Delta Force. Yeah. Between one and 100, where do you put Midsummer? I would... Uh, I'm trying to, like... I, it wasn't a movie. I, I did enjoy the movie. As far as cinematography and acting was superb. Mm-hmm. It was just... There was a lot of shocking material it was like it. to me it was like clockwork orange yeah like i appreciated like, I it but i didn't necessarily I, enjoy it toward the end yes I, and so i'm that might affect my ranking i put it lower than yes it. as a movie i did appreciate it i thought it was very well done yeah and i understand you know it can have a lot of cultural significance right but wow i'm i think i'm good on watching it for probably yeah. the next 10 years yeah um i'll probably mm, i'll say like 63 okay like that's I did enjoy it, mm-hmm. but so you say it's in the bottom half as far as rewatch. Oh wait, I forgot. That's how yeah. we're doing it. Should we flip it? 
I don't know. But because I, I feel like I, I did it the way I did because I'm like our number one movie. Our number one But movie. then the way we're doing it is like it's ranking out of 100. Yeah. So then it feels weird. But then I was kind of like, I don't know because I kind of want it to feel like these are top, it's our top 100 movies, but it's going to be way more than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know how, I don't know. Okay. Well, let me read, because whenever I'm trying to rank it, I'm thinking about like a, like a one through 10 scale rating and then I place mm-hmm. it somewhere along there, except it's going to be flipped. Um, yeah. So what? 40? 47? F- uh, I'd probably... Mm, Wait, no, that would be 50. No, hold on. 37? No, I'd probably... I'd probably put it around... Okay. Midsummer is on my list, I would say, a 57. That's close to mine. I was actually going to say 63, which is what you said the first time, yeah. but yeah. So about the same. I'd be put somewhere near the 60 range for both of us. Yeah, somewhere in 60. Yeah, it's in my bottom half for sure just because yeah. of my personal shock level and I w- could never watch this with anyone. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Um, it's not a movie I would watch. But it was well made. Yes. It's yeah. not a movie I would watch because I enjoy watching it. Yeah, it's not a movie I put on to enjoy myself. Like, uh, no. like it's not one of my, like, you know. But. but I will, I have to give it credit. It was very engaging. Mm-hmm. It was very well done. Yes, very well acted too. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, so... I'm putting mine right around 63, 62. Solid. Dope. Cool. What um, were we talking about before this? And we forgot to, because we forgot to rank it. We were talking about bad Netflix movies. You were glad Netflix right. is stepping up their game. That's it. Yeah. Well, see you next time. <laughs>